Welcome to Sit Down with Sky. I am your host, Skylar, and I am very excited about today's episode. I am interviewing my good friend, Preston Jenkins. Um, he is a gay member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and he shares some really good insight on how we can still stand up for the, the principles of our gospel, no matter our unique situations. Um, it's a really good interview. I think you'll, you'll really like it. Um, but that is not the only reason I am excited for this episode. Um, at the end of the episode, I'm going to do the annoying podcast host thing where I'm going to issue a little tease. At the end of the episode, I have an exciting announcement um, about the future of Sit Down With Sky, and I'm very excited to share it with you all. Um, stick around for the end. Don't just skip to the end, because if you do, I'll know, and I'll hate you forever. Just kidding, kind of, but I do hope you stick around until the end. Okay, I have here with me Preston Jenkins. Um, I originally met Preston when I, well, Amanda and I, uh, we were going on Richard Osler's podcast, Listen, Learn, and Love. And I knew that you were going on before me. Had your, I don't remember if your episode had released yet. I'm not sure of the timeline exactly either. I just remember I had either just recorded it or it had just been released. I can't okay. remember. One of the two. Either way, I was asking Preston for some advice because it was the first podcast that we were going to be on um, since since we opened up about our marriage. Um, and so from there, we this is actually our first time meeting in person. Mm-hmm. Um, we had just communicated online, um, had some other potential pro- projects that came up that didn't really pan out. And... Yeah, anyway, thanks for joining me today, Preston. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for Happy being here. Um, so I just wanted, I know that with the um, the podcast that you did with Richard, um, I don't know if he goes by Richard or Papa Osler. I don't know which he prefers. <laughs> I, I don't remember what I called him when I was there in person. <laughs> Probably Richard. Yeah. Um, and he's actually going to be on the podcast um, in a few weeks here. But cool. Richard, um, or no, excuse me, so Preston... Um, was on was on the podcast and I listened to it and, and loved his story. Um, and so he in that podcast goes more into his specific story. So if you want to learn more about Preston as an as a person and his experience, um, I direct you to go listen to that one. Um, it was released was that 2019 or was that last year? Um, I think it would have been um, like early winter of 2021. I can't remember. I okay. know it's like in his 200s, early 200s. Early 200s. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, you seem to have as bad of t- timeline memory as I do. <laughs> it, it's it's bad. My family's always quizzing me about <laughs> events because I don't remember. <laughs> I'm the same way. Amanda, she is, She's she keeps like the, the history of our lives in her head. She has such good memory. Sometimes... To my disadvantage, but yeah, she keeps us on track with that, and I just forget things this as the second that they happen. Okay, <laughs> um, so I just wanted to start off um, having a little, you know, introduction with uh, about Preston and his life, just so we know get to know him a little bit. Um, do you want to just kind of give a brief outline of what got you to this point? I guess. Sure. Yeah, I'll do <laughs> and, like quick rapid fire. Yeah, one. rapid fire introduction all right here goes um so i'm the second of nine kids um i was born and raised in las vegas uh i'm one of seven boys and two girls so i grew up in a household of boys and sports and playing out in the desert and doing all kinds (laughs) of rowdy fun stuff and awesome um was born and raised a member of the church as well like um it's all i've known uh and i enjoyed it i was pretty had a blissful childhood other than, I mean, typical things that you struggle with growing up and whatnot. But I felt like I had a good, a good setup with my family. My parents lived the gospel. They loved each other and they loved us. And, um, it was nice to see them prioritize their relationship with each other in different ways that they demonstrated that over the years. It's just, I, I feel like I grew up in a gospel centered home. Like I feel like that's the best way of describing it. And so 
for me, I would say like recognizing that I had same sex attraction started at puberty. Like I, it was all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, boys started talking about girls. That's not what I was noticing. So it was like, oh shoot. <laughs> um, but I, I, I kept it to myself. Um, didn't really talk to anybody about it. Um, because I just saw it as like a piece of me and not a like central, everybody needs to know this, or even I need to define myself by this. It was just a part of me and not all of me. So I kept it to myself all through high school. Um, and then I went on my first mission to Tokyo, Japan and had, uh, an abusive situation with a companion there. And so I came home early, pretty devastated. And that kind of started a very bad, um, what do you call it, chapter of my life where I, I was not in a good place and was mm-hmm. in a pretty dark place for a few years after my, after coming home early. Um, just dealing with coming out, but also dealing with the abuse and healing from that. I was diagnosed with PTSD and so needed to get healthy and get treated. And also I was finally open about being gay. And so I had to um, navigate that as well at the same time. And then I got better. Like I, I, <laughs> I was able to find that healing from the abuse and from that pain. And um, after being home for five years, went back and finished my mission. And then was it in Tokyo as well? Or? No, I uh, that time I it was weird. It was kind of like a restart. Okay. But where the timer stopped, so I had about fifteen months left. I went back to the MTC, but I went stateside. Um, that time I served in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. That's so, where my dad served. Yeah, it's a good place. Yeah. I love those people. The South is, is awesome. Um, but yeah. And that was like a beautiful experience. It was pretty, it was hard, but it was a typical mission experience. And then um, I came home from that. I uh, went to BYU Provo and I taught at the MTC for almost three years. And that was heaven on earth. I want that job forever. <laughs> Were you uh, teaching a language or? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. I was just doing English. Very cool. So. I'd have them for three weeks and then send them off. Um, and yeah, was struggling with school, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but eventually just settled with a web development certification. And now I'm doing work for a fintech company in Salt Lake. So that's kind of like how I've gotten here. And like, I live here in Utah now. And um, and then I've had opportunities like working with Richard Osler on his podcast and whatnot. And that's how we got introduced. Yeah. So that's kind of how contact was made and this opportunity came up very cool um do you have any family up here or is it just you um no immediate family uh but but like grandparents aunts and uncles cousins um they're all up here in the greater uh, salt lake or utah valley area and then my parents are still in las vegas with i think about half my siblings are still home there's there's a bunch of us so (laughs) half are are still living with my parents and then the rest of us are scattered between here and Arizona. Okay. Um, I was just curious, what what would be the biggest difference between serving in Tokyo versus serving in Atlanta? I feel like there are probably a lot of differences, but what's like the most prevalent or the one that comes to mind? I would say culture. Um, and what I mean by that is like, like the foundations of their culture. Both people, both the Georgia people, um, just people in the South in general, but also Japanese people are very hospitable. Like they're, they're very kind people, very giving, very hardworking. I would say the major difference is one comes from a Judeo-Christian upbringing and background and cultural foundation, and the other comes from a more Buddhist and Shinto um, foundation. And so that was like the biggest difference is in the south people just talked about jesus all the time and it was so refreshing it was like (laughs) yeah me too i know him and it was just great um in japan it was hard for people to conceptualize god the way that we do um in christianity but specifically in this church as well it's it was just foreign It, it was nothing that they see in their culture and so just that would i think be the biggest difference they're just coming from a different mindset different culture yeah, that, that would make sense. I um, I served in Eugene, Oregon, um, so probably closer to Georgia, I would imagine, but um, still kind of a culture shock. The, the, it's a very different um, culture in, in, in Oregon, and, and the mindset is different. So um, I just wanted to, I have kind of an out, a loose outline, outline of questions. Um, if we go into other topics, then that's great, but... Um, I just wanted to start off, you mentioned in your 
introduction um, that you, so you always from puberty realize that you were gay or same sex attraction. Um, and I, so I'm just wondering what, what were some obstacles or how did you keep the, the gospel centered in your life um, when kind of the, the narrative of, you know, outside the church is that these the, these two things cannot you know coexist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they're, they're complete opposites. Yeah, yeah. So how did and you? Do are that? you talking about specifically in high school? Um, no, not necessarily. I guess. Okay. Just in your up- upbringing. Um. Well, like I was saying before, it's like my parents lived the gospel. They didn't just talk about it, and so keeping commandments, keeping rules, making and keeping covenants was attractive to me. Like my parents made it look real made it look possible and um I just remember being so confused by a lot of my friends that would dabble in rebellion it was like (laughs) I I never really felt the desire to rebel because my parents taught and demonstrated truth but they gave us a ton of freedom like I mean their house rules mostly aligned with church rules and so I, I didn't ever really feel the need to like push boundaries they lived the gospel. They taught me how to live the gospel, and I liked it. Um, and I saw the benefits of that from a very young age. Um, and so, like, going up into high school, I, I mean, I was pretty naive. Uh, I will admit that. I, I learned a lot freshman year of high school. You about... were naive in high school? I don't think anyone has ever been naive in high school. <laughs> well, um, I feel like there were a lot of people that taught me a lot of stuff in high school that I never wanted to learn. Um but, but that was just it. It's like, so I hit high school and I was exposed to a lot of worldly ideas, things that I, I had known existed. I mean, I lived in Las Vegas. There's a visual representation of the world and sure, its lifestyle yeah. right on the strip. Yeah. So um, I definitely, I had heard of it, but I hadn't been exposed to it until high school. And then I had people that I, I had gay friends in high school and I saw the way that they conducted themselves and I, I could see what their lifestyle was doing to them in their personal life. Um, and it was a big turnoff of like, I, I don't want that lifestyle. I, I don't want the consequences of that lifestyle. Um, and so, I don't know. I just feel like I my parents laid that foundation when I was little. I grew up and saw a lot of examples of good and bad of people living it and not living it. And so, again, I just never really felt the need to like push boundaries or... Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll never forget there was this one girl, which I mean, when people know they can tell that you're gay. So even (laughs) though I would deny it, like there, I'll never forget. There was this one girl in one of my sophomore year English classes and she was just like, can you be my gay best friend? And I remember being like, why can't I just be your best friend? Why do I have to be the gay best friend? Why can't I just be your friend? Because again, I didn't see it as like a central part of my identity. It was just a cursory peripheral piece of my identity and so one facet of a big circle of one what is your identity yeah Yeah. I can relate to that for sure um I and I was just going to mention I I thought I was pretty good at hiding it in high school but I also had I remember one specifically um he was in my keyboarding class and Mm -hmm. he sent me an email and asked if I was gay and that was the first time that ever occurred to me and of course I kind of panicked and Deny. It's like, of course not. <laughs> yep. you, why would you ask that? Um, anyway, it's kind of funny how we kind of put up those those fronts. Well, and I saw too, like, again, like, I, I saw the choices before me, and I didn't feel like my hand was being forced any way. It's like I saw the good and the bad. I saw what God would teach and what he doesn't. And so, again, I just never felt the need to, like, push those boundaries or or again, rebel against things that I'd been taught. So. Right. That's awesome. Um, since, since you have been more open about your life, your sexuality, um, have you faced opposition from either side, either somebody um, giving you grief for remaining in the church or anyone in the church giving you grief for being public about it? Have you had any opposition and if so, you know, what is that? Um, yeah, and it, it's, I would say, like, one of the most consistent and deep heart 
aches that I have is when I have to defend my beliefs to members of this church. Like, that to me is more mind-boggling than having to explain myself to somebody who's not of our faith. It's like I, I've struggled for years since being aware of this in high school with members of the church who, good intentioned or not, encourage behavior that is not in line with the teachings of the church. And that has always been like the greatest source of heartbreak for me of they, they think they're supporting me, but they're going against God's teachings. And I don't view that as support. I view that Mm -hmm. as a detriment. I view that as a discouragement. And so I, I would say like, that's the most consistent form of opposition. I would feel like from the church members is, again, good intentioned or not, them encouraging behavior that's against the standards that the Lord has set. So, um, I mean, and I can give specific examples, but that's just kind of like the general source of the opposition. Because what's funny too is like, while my my non-member friends may not understand why I'm doing what they, they're doing, what, what I'm doing with my life, they don't try and tear me down for it. Like they don't try and convince me otherwise. Um, so it's, it's almost like there is more opposition from, I, I would say maybe less orthodox members of the church. Is that mm -hmm. what I'm hearing? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting here in Utah as well, where like most of my coworkers have, I mean, since I've lived in Utah, all these, these years that I've lived here in Utah, most of my coworkers have been members. And so when they find out it, it's been interesting. Again, it, it, it hurts when it comes from members of like, wait, why? Why are you staying in the church? And why do you have goals to be married in the temple? And I don't know. It, it, it just hurts when I have to defend my faith to people of my faith. Yeah. So. I, um, I, I yeah, that's interesting. I don't think I, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't think I have that experience. So that's, that's interesting to hear for sure. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't, I would say it's never been like uh, aggressive. Like, I don't think people are like coming at me with yeah, that stuff. Yeah. It's just as it comes up in conversations, it's just, I'm kind of left in a weird middle ground of like, what do you want from me? Like, what do you mm -hmm. expect me to do with my life if you're supporting things that are against church teachings, but you're a member of the church? It's like, where does that leave me? Like, I, I don't understand what they expect of me. And so... Yeah, it's just left me with some weird situations sometimes. It's just like, <laughs> Do you have any that you feel comfortable sharing generically as um, much as you can? Or like here, here, I feel like this story like kind of paints the picture pretty well. So like I was on my second mission in Atlanta, Georgia, when the church policy about um, children of uh, the children of people in same sex uh, marriages, mm -hmm. the, the policy about them getting baptized. When that all hit the that all hit the fan when I was out on my mission in Atlanta, and I remember hearing about it and like it not phasing me. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, I get it. It's a mercy we're trying to protect the children here, making sure that they are not entering covenants that they're not going to be helped in keeping. And so, I I understood it pretty pretty fast, and I was kind of shocked to see all the backlash and hear about all the backlash the church was getting for it. And I'll never forget we. It, just in our day-to-day -day missionary life, we were trying to reconnect with a, a member of the church that hadn't been to church in a while and that we hadn't met. And so we were trying to meet them. And it was that awkward situation where you knock, nobody's home, you start to walk away and they pull in the driveway. Oh, and then you're like, I hated those. Yeah. Do, do we walk to the garage? <laughs> do we stay at the front door? So but luckily he made the choice for us. He came tearing around the corner and was just like, get off my property. And just was really hostile and, um, and one of the first things he said was like, I've, I've been in the news. Like, I see what you guys are doing to the gays. Like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with this church anymore. And I was just like, Heavenly Father, can I please just say something <laughs> to this guy? Because again, how unfair, like I'm gay. So like, how can you say that? Like, Ooh, the church is oppressing me. And so I was just like, I, I asked a lot of questions. We, we ended up like deescalating the situation, just asking questions, getting to know like where he was coming from. But in parting, I just said as a as a gay member of the church, like, I'm I'm okay, like I'm fine, and I don't feel oppressed. And his demeanor completely changed, and he like started backpedaling of like, oh, like, well, I support you. And I this probably wasn't very <laughs> tactful of me, but I, I just bluntly said, you don't know what support means. 
have a nice day. It was just like... <laughs> Mic drop. Well, because again, what can he say to me? Uh, that's not supporting me. Like, yeah. I feel support from the church and its teachings and have felt so much safety from the lifestyle that it teaches. And so, I don't know. I just, I was kind of fed up in that moment. And yeah. unfortunately, I wasn't as tactful as I should have been. But it, it's situations like that where it's like, you don't know what support, what real support is for somebody. Um, I already had that support from my family and from my home ward and things like that. So I, I don't know. That's well, just kind of one example. But again, yeah. the general principle is it's frustrating to defend the church to the members. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it's, it's hard, especially when you know intentions are good. Um, because, you know, as we shared the gospel, we, one of the things I always try to help those less familiar with religion in general or the church, um, help them see is that everything we do, hopefully, if we're living the gospel, should be because out of love. Because if we do believe what we believe, um, what we do in this life has pretty big consequences. And we want to express that and, and share that. Um, so it's hard approaching people who who are not helpful, um, but whose intentions are good. Um, and I, I'm com the complete opposite. I always handle things too, I think, too kindly and just want to de-escalate. And then later in my head, I win so many arguments <laughs> and have so many good comebacks. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I do the same. I think very similar. Like, I'll ruminate yeah. and, like, come up with better arguments later. But I'm sure we all do yeah. that. <laughs> well, um, kind of just going to, to a church, uh, the a topic related to the church more broadly, um, how do you think we as, a, as church members who are orthodox, who are, you know, believing members and practice um, the, the gospel, how can we do better to bridge this huge divide between either less orthodox members or those who are completely against our faith, um, how can we, what are your thoughts to how, what we can do better? Um, I, I think that's a good segue into what we were just talking about, about the idea of support, like what real, true, helpful support looks like. Um, I would say first and foremost, just knowing our doctrines, um, it's very hard to appeal to people and persuade them to believe and live truth when we ourselves don't understand it. Mm. Um, when we don't know what the church's stance is on certain topics, um, I don't know, it's, it's almost embarrassing sometimes to sit in a conversation with somebody who clearly hasn't studied a topic and they're attempting to teach others and lecture others on it. It's, I don't know. So I would say, like, if you really want to help people, first and foremost, just keep studying, keep learning, never stop learning, never settle on what you know about a topic. Um, and that comes from having conversations with other people, but it also comes from prayer and fasting and reading scriptures, conference talks, manuals. Like, uh, again, if you're going to comment on something, especially in a political sphere, or not a political sphere, I'm sorry, a public sphere, then make sure you've read more than just headings to articles Twitter. and whatnot yeah like <laughs> make sure that you've done your own prayer and study and reading and mm -hmm. because again you'll just be more capable of helping in the moment if again you know what we actually believe about certain things um and then on the flip side knowing what we don't have stances on like knowing what what the church refuses to make an official statement on i think mm -hmm. there's also importance in knowing when to stay silent and say i don't know yeah and just let it be rather than trying to explain something trying to put reason to a policy or to a revelation that wasn't ours to receive it was the church officials right to receive that so i would say to like not feeling the need to explain everything too know what we know and then know what we don't know and let yeah. those things go. I like that. I think it's a little bit, I don't know the right word, conceited maybe is the right word. Um, if you are, you know, if you do believe in God, um, to, to believe that we should have the answers to everything, whether it's with church history or with doctrines that we don't understand or 
whatever it may be, um, we can definitely ask questions. There's no harm in asking questions and researching, and that's what we're supposed to do. Um, but I've, I've always found it, I guess, hard to understand when someone comes across something that they don't understand. And instead of, <clears throat> I don't know, assuming that an all-knowing God might have a better grasp of, a, of, a, of the doctrine or a situation than we do. Um, I, I, anyway, that's just something that I've, I've struggled to understand. Um, and, and I feel like what you just said and, and a little bit of what I've said too applies to both people who want to help and also people who are walking this path and struggling themselves to again like learn what we know there's so much power and truth and mm -hmm. knowing and living by truth and so i'm just like such a huge advocate of learning our doctrine i found so much healing and freedom and power and growth fast from choosing to like dive in and learn um and it usually comes back to the basics the gospel of jesus christ faith repentance covenants and the holy ghost so that you can endure to the end mm -hmm. like it it, it's funny how it always comes back to those five things when we're struggling. Yeah. Always the simple things. And we, I think, a lot of the time, especially online, like to over overcomplicate the gospel or just issues in general. I think you can mm -hmm. apply that more broadly. The fundamentals of the gospel um, still apply to us, even though our sexuality is not orthodox, if you will. Um, yeah, well said. And, and I would say too, like, this is something that I've realized time and time again, both personally, and then watching other people either choose to stay or go um, in the church, is that all of Satan's lies, all of the worldly ideas lead to the same conclusion. And that is exclude yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, this may be the case, but not for you. Like, God is good, but not to you. Um, you can repent, but or others can repent, but not you. It, it's right, like yeah, it, yeah. everything ultimately leads to that conclusion of exclude yourself. Whereas the gospel, that's not what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. Like it, the invitation was to anybody. Anybody can change. Anybody can repent. Anybody can make that choice. And so, yeah, just not falling for that lie of exclude yourself. Yeah. I, I've Everything that I've learned about the gospel has been quite inclusive. So... Mm -hmm. Well, as we talk, I always have kind of this nagging voice in my head of <laughs> probably because I, I listen to too many podcasts, but <laughs> basically the opposition, like the other side and what they would say with, you know, directed toward anything that anything that I am saying or that we are saying here. So I just keep hearing <laughs> the, the idea that because you have embrace the church and have, you know, decided to live the commandments, um, that you somehow hate yourself or, you know, you know, that term like self-hating mm -hmm. that that's used a lot. How would you respond to that? Um, that I'm like missing out on something or that I'm, um, depriving myself of some, something that I'm owed or deserve. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Or? And kind of th that term, like, um, internalized homophobia i hear a lot oh because i don't agree with it because you don't you, you don't want to marry a man or you don't want to be with a man you want to follow the teachings of the gospel it it's what i guess i've seen that a lot where because of that it's just because we have internalized hom homophobia if you don't have any thoughts on that, that's okay. Well, I'm just scared of what? Like, I'm not scared of gay people. I'm not scared <laughs> of myself. Um, I, I don't, I, I guess I don't understand. Like, I've, I've heard that and encountered mm -hmm. it, but I've just never understood why people would think I'm scared of something. I'm, I, I always feel like when people resort to the word homophobia, it's usually because they want to dismiss something. Mm -hmm. I've just seen that consistently used to be a dismissal of like, oh, they're just homophobic. And I'm like, but I'm not scared of anything. I just disagree <laughs> with it. Like, um, and, and I don't have to, again, like, I don't feel like I'm owed anything or like I deserve some sort of lifestyle. Like the choices are before me. It's up to me. I get to decide 
where this goes. And so the, the power rests in, on, on me to make those decisions. And I don't, again, I don't feel like anybody's forcing my hand or like, you're not brainwashed. You're not. Uh, and yeah, like nobody. Like I'm not talking to anybody that's like manipulating me into these decisions. Like again, I've done research. I've done a lot of reading. And again, I I see all the stuff going on on the other on the other side or out in the world. And again, mm-hmm. I I know people both personally and more objectively that have walked away or stayed. And it's just I just keep watching and collecting those stories and looking for patterns. And again, like I don't. Nobody's twisting my arm. I'm, I'm single. Like, I, I, I make a lot of the decisions in my life. So, like, I feel like I have a lot of, is autonomy the right word? Of, like, I, yeah. I make those choices for me. And so nobody's oppressed me or sullied me into a choice. Again, if anything, the people who usually shame me are the are members of the church who are confused as to why I keep standards. It's like, that's that's usually the people that are more pressing I, I don't know the right word for that but <laughs> no that's fascinating um thank you for indulging me in that question and just uh, just did, did that up. answer your question yeah okay yeah, yeah because again am i understanding that idea right i mean maybe i don't again i don't i'm not scared of myself or anybody well yeah and, <laughs> and I, I don't hate me or anybody that's else that's the thing so. is i homophobia i think has so many different connotations like you can use that as an umbrella term for a lot of things Usually, I think it refers more to hatred. Um, but yeah, you, you answered that. It doesn't sound like you hate yourself or... No, I think I'm pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I mean, I've had to learn. Like, that's been a hard lesson to learn. I Maybe, maybe I should say that because I don't want to, like, give off this impression that, like, oh, no, I'm great. And, like, I've always been great. Like, no, I've struggled with that before, but I don't struggle with it now. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I feel like I've learned... Again, doctrines that are at the core of that issue, but I've also had enough life experience and whatnot to know that like it's not worth my energy to self hate and yeah, yeah. like it's it's such a waste of energy. It truly is. Yeah, not worth it. <laughs> so, um, if you could go back to your your former self, we're gonna do the former self question. Mm-hmm. Um, or someone who is in your situation right now, um, what would be your best advice to an LGBTQ Latter-day Saint who wants to remain active in the church and to live up to their covenants? What would be your best advice um, on how to do that or how to be successful with that? Um, I would say first and foremost, chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like that. I, I can't That's remember, like, who said it. I, we have a joke in my family, and I think it came from one of my grandpas or something like that. But just this joke of, like, worrying works because none of my worries ever come to pass. And so <laughs> worry all you want because it will keep all the scary futures at bay. But, I, I mean, it's a joke. But at the heart of that, it's chill out. Like, a lot of the things I worried about when I was younger, I don't even care about anymore. Like... <laughs> Uh, I, and I think maybe this is a better way of saying it. It's like unplug yourself from a generic timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, all you need to be asking God is what you need me to do right now. I mean, yes, have like milestones you want to reach at some point in your life, like covenants or like a mission or, um, or a marriage or a job or, or a place you want to live. Like that, that's fine to have milestones you want to reach in your life. But the moment you timestamp them, you're going to run into trouble. Yeah. Of like, I need it by this point in my life. Like, you can't control all those variables. So if I was talking to my younger self or somebody else in similar shoes that I've been into, it's chill out and don't timestamp your goals because I'm 29 and life has not looked the way I've planned it, especially for the last 10 years. And so, but I'm fine. Like, I never went hungry. I always had a car, even if it would break down a lot. Like, I, it's like, I, I'm i okay now. Like, looking back, it really wasn't ever warranted for me to be freaking out as much as I did about the future. It's just chill out. Chill out. Yeah. I, I would like say that. another thing, too, is, is similar to what we talked about before, and that is is study the doctrine. Like, be hungry for truth um, and never stop, never be satisfied that you know everything about everything. It's so hard to 
help somebody who thinks they know everything. Yeah. And I, I've just, I have sensed from God multiple times powerlessness when it comes to me because I would refuse to learn. And it was, it was some interesting experiences where I just felt from him this, like, I can't help you because you won't let me. Mm. And it's, so just stay teachable, stay hungry, keep learning. Never, never tell God how he should do his job or never lecture him. Like, it's just, it, I've done that enough to know it's not (laughs) fruitful. So yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to add to that and answer my own question. I think just a little bit here Mm -hmm. and going, going back to my former self, my, my younger self. Um, I think it it would be kind of a, a similar answer. Um, but just not to make, and it's something you, you mentioned earlier, not, not, not to make your sexuality, your defining characteristic. Mm, Don't make it who you are, make it a part of yourself that, um, you're comfortable with, you're not ashamed of, um, but that you don't have to, you don't talk about all the time or you don't, and and this is, I I realize the irony of having this podcast, um, and and saying that, but I I just think there are so many on on either side who we're, we're not good at staying in the middle. We go from being ashamed of our sexuality, which we shouldn't do, to being, to be a little controversial, but prideful about it. Um, and I, I think we can exist kind of somewhere in the middle there and and find a lot of fulfillment in life in, in other things other than, you know, talking about who we're attracted to sexually. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun to learn that God can give us the gift of indifference on certain things. Like, learn to be indifferent about yours and other people's sexuality. Like it again, don't make it primary. It's, it's not, it doesn't hold sway. Like, yeah, we're sitting down and having a more informational conversation about this topic, but in day to day life, my sexuality doesn't come up every day. Mm -hmm. And even in friendships that I have close friendships, my sexuality doesn't come up every day. Every time I have a conversation with friends, like, because that's not normal like because it's not primary it's not an, a, a core aspect of my identity or my friends identities and yeah. so that's why it doesn't come up it, it doesn't matter it does but it doesn't matter as much as no i get what you mean i think some p- people put weight on yeah weight on it it doesn't matter that much um i think another element of staying hungry for truth and whatnot is also like not being so clingy to certain topics and questions like to the detriment of not learning about other things in the meantime Mm. um what i mean by that is like i I mean we all know the story from the book of mormon of lehi has this great vision of the tree of life and then nephi hears this from his father and then he goes and prays and he has his own spiritual experience where he sees the vision and and then some and I remember reading that as a child and just thinking like, wow, if I could just faith enough, like if I could just flex my faith muscle, <laughs> you could really have your hard. own tree of life. Yeah. I could see the tree of life. And so like, I remember like praying so hard for that when I was younger of like, let me see it. Like I would love to, and I have faith. And, and then when it didn't happen in comes all this shame and guilt of like, well, what am I doing wrong? Like, why can't I, am I not good enough? Do I not have enough faith? And it just created a very, untrue and unhealthy mindset towards revelation um, is because I, I was so clingy to that idea of like, I wanted to see my own tree of life um, vision or, or have mm-hmm. my own understanding of it. It wasn't until I was on my mission, like years later, more of an adult on, on my second mission that I realized that I was limiting my experience and interaction from God because I was so fixated on one thing. Um, I had this realization of like, well, I'd already seen the tree of life vision. Like I'd seen seminary videos of it. I had seen um, like diagrams drawn of it. I had seen artwork about it. I'd I'd gone to lectures about like I'd already seen it. He had nothing (laughs) else to really show me about it. And I had this realization of like, wait a minute, if, if you're not willing to show me that, like, what do you want to talk to me about? And oh my gosh, that opened the floodgates. And, and it's been such a fun ride since of like, 
what does God need me to know right now? And what does he want to share with me right now? And not being so hung up on like, but he hasn't answered this question and I'm not going to ask anything else until he answers this question. It's like, don't, don't limit yourself and God to that kind of a relationship, a transactional relationship like that of give me what I want or nothing else. It's like, no, there's so much more that he'd be willing to show you in the meantime. And, and that can look a lot of different ways. Like people have various hangups with, like you mentioned earlier, different doctrinal points or different historical points or policy things that if we're so clingy to one topic, we'll miss out on the greater purpose of the church, the greater power from other truths if we're so fixated. On yeah, so fixated thing. on one thing. I like that. Like ask more questions, ask a different question, ask better questions, like just keep tinkering with questions. Don't settle for one topic. How old were were you uh, when when you had that that um, idea that you wanted to see the tree of life? Oh, I, I I must have been like a deacon, like a young teenager, or somewhere around that time. I was just gonna say that uh, I think that shows a lot of your spiritual maturity at at that age, having that grasp. I think. Well, and I would imagine that a lot of people have those desires. I mean. I was fixated on that idea, but a lot of people have good desires that they yeah. they want something good, but it's not coming, and therefore they let it poison every other aspect of their relationship with God. And it's like, if I could go back and tell my younger self, it's like, there's more to God than just your question. Like, there's so much more to the relationship than just that question. Like, set that one aside so you can keep developing your relationship with him in the meantime. And then when it is right, Maybe he will open up about it, or maybe he, he won't yet. And again, I, I've learned to trust that he has the better vantage point for determining that timeline than I, than I do. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I don't have a good vantage point to make that call. I think that was a more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to say earlier about uh, us, basically us thinking that we should know everything or have mm. the answers to everything. Um, but yeah. Put, yeah. put much better so thank well you. and i no i it's not a bad idea i you just reminded me i, I love this phrase from sherry duo she just said like god has never told anyone everything about everything um and i i would just add to that and say but he will tell you something about something like mm -hmm. he wants to have a relationship with you and so yeah just don't i if i could talk to my younger self or anybody else on this path is like don't box you and God in on what he's supposed to be talking to you about right now. Like keep, stay, stay hungry, stay thirsty stay hungry. for truth. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the themes of today. Stay hungry for the gospel. Mm. Um, just shifting gears just a little bit. You mentioned earlier your goal um, to be married in the temple. Mm -hmm. Do you mind just sharing what you're comfortable with about your plans for the future and and your hopes, ambitions about relationships, career, whatever you want. Okay. Um, I would say, I would just start by saying what I said before about like not excluding myself from the plan of salvation. Like, um, again, like all, all the low and hard parts of my life have been because I felt like I was an exception to something in the, in the gospel. And that's not healthy. That's not true. And, um, when you really lean into the gospel of Jesus Christ, you lean into the plan of salvation. I've seen a lot of personal growth, but again, like that's, that's where the power is and not the power, the power to like take down bad people in your life or whatever. Like that, that's not the kind of power I'm talking, I'm talking about like the power to change myself and get power over my demons and whatnot. Like that's where the real power is is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've tried, I've walked far enough away from the church to know that there is no power over there. In any, pick a direction. You can walk away from the church in whatever direction you want. You are walking away from your opportunity for your best self. And so as far as like goals for future family and, and whatnot, I mean, career, I don't know. Like I've, that's a that's still a question mark to me of like I, I'm finally at a job that I really like that I could see myself at for a long time but career to me is secondary like that I don't think God is as interested in our career as he is in our family and our goals there so 
I'm much more worried about my, my future family than I am about my career. But um, I, I don't see a reason why I can't be married in the temple. Like, I'm not trying to marry every person. I Like, I just need to find my best friend, and she and I will already have a relationship before I propose to her that like, I'll know I want to be in this with the, with her in the long, the long run or the long haul, or I, I don't know the exact phrase, but uh, I'll have already, we'll have already decided that before we ever walk into the temple to be sealed. So like, I'm not, I don't see a reason to worry about it now. Cause again, I, I've, I've taken myself off the timeline when it's going to happen. I have no idea. Like I'm not, not in a rush. I've tried rushing it a few times. It doesn't work when I try and rush it. So <laughs> Yeah, just like letting myself get off that a, a timeline, but keeping that milestone ahead of me of like I want to reach that milestone eventually. But well, I think that's great, and I think um, just just hearing you talk about it, you you definitely have. I mean, you're you're older than I am, especially older than I am when I was married, um, and even back then, I. Um, I, I knew I had these goals, but I, I did have a lot of uncertainty. Um, I think we we both did, and it ended up working great to where we have an amazing marriage that you know we're both very happy, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, but it, it does sound like you have a much better handle on all of this, and I am I'm always very careful um, when giving advice to young LGBTQ people um, who want to, you know, stay committed in the church, that a mixed orientation marriage is definitely not for everyone. The statistics are not on our side, unfortunately. Um, but situationally, I think when when you have that good of a handle on, on it and you have your priorities in, in the right place, I think, in my opinion... Um, with family, with with the gospel, I think it is something that can be very beneficial and and good for someone in our situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely see see that with you. Um, not to say I have a better vision of you than you do, but <laughs> just well, observing, that's what I'm noticing. You're ahead of me in that category and in, in that idea of like marriage and family, like you're ahead of me. So like, no, that, that carries weight when you say something like that, because it's still idea in theory to me, cause I'm not actively living that just yet. But in the meantime, I'm trying to actively live so that I'm ready for it when right. it can happen. Um, and again, like, I've collected so many stories, and the patterns are pretty obvious when you've collected enough stories of people who break up and people who stay together, gay or straight, mixed orientation right. yeah. or not. like Just relationships. Just relationships in general. It's interesting to watch for the patterns, and they're there, and they're very obvious. Again, when you've put in the effort to research and to pray and study and... Yeah, I've just, again, therefore, I've come to the conclusion that there's no reason that that can't happen for me. Um, just like a, a more microscopic example, like I'll never forget, this was years ago, but I had a friend who called me one time and she was dating somebody who was gay. And I'll never forget, she called me and she was like, can I talk to you about it? And I was like, yeah, of course, like you're welcome to ask me questions or whatever. And she just said, well, like, well, like, what if we get married and he cheats? And I was like, well cheaters cheat like yeah gay or straight cheaters cheat like is he a cheater is he dishonest does he not do what he says he's going to do does he demonstrate things that would lead you to believe he's not being honest with you and it was kind of like a wake-up call for her of like oh like i i'm looking for a good person again sexuality is secondary to like he's a good person and so that's why uh, that like, like I said, that's a more microscopic example, but again, a multitude of stories and experiences like that, that I'm looking for a good person and I'm looking for a good person who's looking for a good person. <laughs> so I, and I, I only have to marry one person. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not super worried about like, again, I'm not, I don't have to date all the women in my ward. I, and I have no desire to, <laughs> I just need to date my best friend and, 
and again, we'll be open and communicating. We'll be very vulnerable with each other. And that to me is romantic and exciting and gives me hope that like, again, I'm kind of rambling now at this point, no, but I think it's I see well no put. point. I, I see no reason to unplug myself. No, no reason to exclude yourself. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's great. And I think that's um, an important lesson to learn regardless of who you are in your situation is that the gospel does apply t- to you and you're not excluded from any part of it, whatever your situation is. Yeah. And I, I would just add to, to others who are uh, like unsure about like where they are on the path and, and, and what goals they have for their future. Again, just like know our doctrine. Mm-hmm. We know that the gate to the celestial kingdom is baptism and confirmation. Like to enter the celestial kingdom, you don't have to be sealed. Um, we know that that's the top tier of the celestial kingdom. Like we know that if we want, all of father that father has and capable of doing all that he does. Like we know that we need to be married for that, but in order to get the highest degree of glory, I don't have to be married um, to live with my father again and receive those blessings. So um, that to me is hopeful. Like, mm-hmm. so knowing that doctrine gives me comfort because then it's up to me. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting that the more truth I learn, the more I feel like I get to choose like it really comes down to what i what do i choose what do i want um because man father's plan is stacked in our favor like it, in the end we really decide how it looks in the end so yeah well that's that's great i, I like that a lot and and all of the stuff that you shared today has been eye-opening for me even though we have a similar journey in a lot of ways um, it is still very different for us. And so I always like having these conversations because I learn a lot too. So thank you again for joining me mm-hmm. today. Um, maybe to. maybe we should have your phone number here at the bottom for any potential dates. No? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I was like, get in line. My my brother tries to to set me up, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, thank you for for joining me again, and we'll have to do this another time, maybe. And um, yeah, deal. I'm down. Okay. All right. Thank you for sticking around. Um, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Preston. I know that I did. I enjoyed getting to know him, meeting him for the first time in person, and. Just getting his insight on how he has made the, the gospel a priority in his life. Uh, as promised, I have a special announcement. Um, so Preston will actually be joining us on Sit Down with Sky as um, our co-host. So no longer will it just be Sit Down with Sky, but Sit Down with Sky and Preston. And I, you know, we will both be on kind of in the same format during the interview that you saw. Um, but yeah, we, we will uh, be, be taking it as a team now, and I hope you're as excited as I am. Um, thank you again for watching. If you wouldn't mind uh, subscribing on Apple Podcasts, that really helps us, um, Apple Podcasts or YouTube as well, and um, also leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts would really help us out. Thank you for watching. I hope to see you in the next one.